Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. On this week's episode of the podcast, Drew has a story for me about one of the worst betrayals of all time. It's absolutely awful. Well, can't wait for that. Buckle up. This is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity presented to you by Blue Wire Podcast and BetOnline.ag. We are here. We're we are so back. Here. Nothing's stopping us right now. Something might stop us very soon. Yes, like a government uh, mandate to we, not yeah, do this. To, to not be traveling. Yeah. Um, we live really close to each other, though. We do live really close to each other. So it's... It's and more like your your daily outside exercise. A little bit to yeah. come here, and so. I don't really have to go past many people in general to get here. And we could make the argument that this is that this is an essential business. Yes, yes, because without this <clears throat> meeting, I don't, I don't know how you all will get through the day. Yeah, I just don't know. Totally justifying this right now. That's what's happening. Yeah, so we're gonna do this right now, and then uh, we, <laughs> Virginia gave us the uh, the order to it literally happened today. I didn't even know about it actually when I walked in. Uh, Drew had to tell me, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens for next week, but we'll, we'll keep you posted. We'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. But for right now, we're here. We are here, and we're doing the thing. We are doing the thing. Should you? Uh, should we introduce ourselves? We probably should. I'm everybody's least favorite freelance writer with bylines at The Athletic, as well as .esports and SB Nation, Adam Whitaker Snavely. Noice. Joined, as always, by my real-life brother. Drew Snavely, and I'm still currently employed. Thankful for that. Yeah, good job. And, um, I mean, there isn't really any soccer going on right now. Nope. So, there's still no updates for anything, it seems Not like. Not at all. Um, the A-League is happening. The A-League is happening? In Australia. Really? The A-League is happening. I think Belarus is still going. <laughs> Are they all playing behind closed doors? Yeah, it's like all empty stadium play. I think the Premier League said that they're planning on resuming. Uh, they like all agreed June 10th or something like that, and it'd be behind closed doors for the rest of the, for the, rest right, of the games. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. I, so. You would have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I think everybody... Because a, a vaccine isn't going to come in that time. Yeah. I think everybody's banking on the kind of initial, like, big outbreak portion kind of clearing up by that time with enough isolation. And I think what what will be big is if they find an actual, like, antiviral treatment. Yeah. Like, if they do if they do find a treatment, so not necessarily a something that will prevent you from getting the disease, but an actual effective treatment for treating the disease. Because right now they're just, like, throwing every medication they can at it if you have like severe symptoms and hoping that everything turns out for the best that's yeah. kind, of, kind of the deal pretty terrible um if an antiviral comes out that'll be a game changer i think that that will probably mean that most sports 
can resume, but they will probably be behind closed doors. This is now a coronavirus podcast. I mean, everything is a coronavirus podcast right now. Yeah. You notice how everybody's doing, let's remember some guys content. Let's remember some some old games and old old people. And uh, let's remember some historical stuff to get our fix. Yeah. Wow, it's crazy how we were way ahead of the curve on that. So ahead of the curve. By like almost a full year. Wow, it's kind of creepy. Got him. We did not predict this at all. Nope. <laughs> That's for darn sure. Because this is terrible. Yes. But anyways, hopefully uh, we get through this as soon as we can. Hopefully we get through it. Hopefully uh, you out there listening are staying safe, staying as isolated as possible, and uh, making responsible choices. Yes. And hopefully this podcast can be a beacon of light and a way for you to kind of uh, get your mind off of the current uh, politics and everything that's happening the around the world. world in yeah, general. yeah, yeah, exactly. Drew, I don't know if this story is going to be uplifting by the way that you've described it to me. <laughs> well, it's history and it's pretty wild, and it is it is a terrible story because uh, terrible things have happened in history. Yeah, you um, got that right, bud. But it is a pretty. It is one of those wild stories that I feel like should be highlighted on this podcast. Um, wild, like the wild crash. And what's really special about this story is that it was brought to my attention by listener mail. Oh, so, we got another listener story. Yes. Let's go. Dan Harner took the time to, to email us and said that I should look, or we should look we into should look the life up. of French soccer player Alexandre Villaplan. Okay. So, I... Villaplan? Well, it... I'm pretty sure they pronounce the L's. Do they? I don't yeah. know. I don't. I, I don't know French at Villapon. all. Villapon. In my newsletter today, I said le best part. Le best part. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which, as everybody knows, is uh, is real French. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So there's there's a lot of French names in here. So we should be good. Well, should we? We should be fine. Yeah. I got so much French. So I looked into to Alexandre Villaplon. And in 1905, he was born in Algeria, but at the age of 16, moved to France to live with his uncle. And something that we've discussed we pretty discussed ex- extensively on a couple different podcasts about how um, a large portion of people from Algeria have at some point, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Immigrated. Immigrated. There yes. we go. To <laughs> France. Wow. <laughs> This wow. is going to be a long story. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I was tap dancing and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, really, we got it. really we, skipping around. We got one. it. We got it. But anyways, he, he moved to France as a, as a young boy and uh, not really a boy. I mean, he's kind of in between young boy man. and man, 16 years old back then. I mean. Young man. Yeah. Sure. 1921. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, the roaring 20s, baby. Like right now. It sure is. Almost 100 years ago. Mm, that wow. makes me feel so good. Yes. So, Viaplan began his career with FC Seat. Okay. Uh, you're aware of FC Seat? I, no. Wait, okay. Spell it? S-E-T-E. Nope. Hard no. Okay. Well, they were a team. They were a team in France. They, they are still a team in France. Congratulations so. to them. Yes. Um, and in 1926, after a few seasons with Seat, Villaplan earned his first international cap, international oh. appearance for the French, na- French national team. Nice. So, 
Never played for Algeria. Just played for France. Just played for France. Well, yeah. Sometimes that's the way it goes. He impressed as a youngster, and his stock as a player became began to rise. He played. I would think so if he got a cap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The French team wasn't super strong at this point. Okay. In time, still. Uh, they didn't have a professional soccer league at the at this point. It wasn't like legal to have a. They didn't have like was, a legalized oh, official. Okay. First division. Or any professional. When tier. you said it wasn't legal, that made it sound like way more. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like illegal rebellious. to play soccer. Um, it just wasn't recognized as like a, prof- a professional, a profession. Right. So he uh, was impressing as a youngster, and eventually he got a big money move Ooh, big money, to Nimes. I have, I have heard. Nimes. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I have heard of them. I know who you're talking Nimes. about. I don't pronounce the E-S. Okay. Neem. Yeah. Or, or Nime. Or Nime. Oh, gosh, I hate myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> you picked the French story, my guy. I think it's Nime. Villaplan... Quickly became known for his high energy style of play. He had a trait to um, for very tough tackles. Oh, winning the challenges very hard. He had dominance in the air. He's winning all those headers. So what you're telling me is this is a French hard man. Yeah, yeah, he's the enforcer out this there. This dude's going out there to bang like nonstop. But it was noted that he ha- he also had a good passing game. Oh, so he wasn't he wasn't all. Uh, I'm going to punch you in the right, face yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to pass this ball well while punching you in the face. Yes. It's yes. like N'Golo Kante, except with aerial dominance. Yes, exactly. Because N'Golo is hella short. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. the one thing Super he can Super short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know his stature, actually. I don't know. I'm guessing he was a big dude. Probably. So, anyways, he became even more popular with Nimes. Um, and then in 1929... Viaplan moved to Racing Club de Paris. Oh, yeah. Racing Club de Paris is how the Argentine Racing Club got its name. I was wondering if they were related. I assumed that they were. It was a, It was literally like the people that were making up Racing Club in Argentina when they uh, first... It was like a bunch of... There was a university involved and there was a bunch of students and they made Racing Club and they decided to name it after the team in France. Gotcha. After they, they they played for a while under a under original name and then they changed the name to Rossing Club. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, anyways, uh, Rossing Club de Paris had a new president and wanted to become the most successful club in the country. Sure. Um, I mean, when I read that, it was kind of funny because I'm like, doesn't every club want to be the most successful? But obviously, there are some. No, because have... some clubs start in the United States, and that's how you know, not every club wants to be successful. <laughs> oh, gosh. Rossing Club's president correctly identified Villaplan as one of the most talented players in France. Villaplan was making a lot of money at his new club and because he signed with... Yeah. With Club de Perry. Mm-hmm. I already, I think I already said that. Um, and with all this new money um, came some vices. 
And so he was going to bars and partying a lot. And he liked to go to horse race tracks and yeah. gamble mm-hmm. on horse racing. That sounds about um, right. And it's noted at this time he... <clears throat> Got involved with the Parasan underworld and like, like black market dealing and stuff like that. Dude just went. Dude just dove dove headfirst in the deep end. Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a gradual progress. Well, up up until this point, each of his moves had had been kind of dictated by how much money he'd be making, which is how a lot of people yeah sure do that. But I mean, this guy really seemed like. Money was the number one thing in his life, and as long as he was making a lot of it, it didn't matter what he was doing or how he made that money. But Drew, as a wise philosopher once said, more money, more problems. That's so, very true. That is very true. It seems to me that problems might be in the near future. Oh, gosh, if only you knew. <laughs> you soon will. In 1930, at the age of just 24, Villaplan captain French's first world cup side dang because 1930 so. was the first ever yeah. world cup um france only managed a 4-1 victory against mexico before losing to argentina and chile 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 and crashing out of the group stages yes. so not a great performance but not like i wonderful. said at the time france didn't have a professional league yeah it was not exactly uh a- wasn't like england yeah i mean there's definitely still good players there yeah. it's just yeah 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 it's a, it a little tough yeah weirdly shortly after the tournament alexandre villaplan retired from international soccer how old is he at this 24 point? years old well and he just retired i guess he had just had enough of it <clears throat> i don't know like, uh, don't don't care about this anymore i i have no idea so anyways, French, French, France gets their professional league in 1932. That's the same year that Viaplan moved to Antibes. Okay. Um, that year, Antibes won the first France championship. Hey. But it uh, was soon learned that the championship match was fixed. Oh, God. <laughs> Antibes okay. were stripped of their title. It's going to be one of these stories. Well, no. This is just the very tip of the iceberg. Oh, God. Okay. The manager for Antibes was given a lifetime ban. Yep. Though it was suspected that Villaplan and two other players who were former teammates with Villaplan at seat were the real masterminds behind the whole scheme. Well, yeah. we've just. I mean, Villaplan had been like diving headfirst into... Horse racing and gambling and all that stuff. Yeah, in Paris. So it makes sense. Yeah, that. <clears throat> I mean, anybody, anybody gets to him. Like, if he owes any money or sees any opportunity to make a quick buck, anybody yeah. could just hit him up and be like, "Yo, yeah. check this." Villaplan's only apparent punishment was that Antibes just released him, so he didn't get any bans yeah. or anything like just, that. No like, fines. Right, I've got to find a new club. Find a new club. Which shouldn't be difficult because I'm a relatively young... Yeah. Talented player. player. Yeah, somebody's going to pick me up. Yeah. He landed at Nice. Yes. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I had to say Nice first to show that I knew the pronunciation, but... Nice, Nice. I wanted to say nice. (laughs) (laughs) 
Villaplan didn't have any work ethic, though, and missed practices Ooh, and continuously lacked fitness. Nice were relegated at the end of the season, and Villaplan was once again looking for another job because he was released. Yes. He landed a job with a second division side to play for his former manager from seat. Things played out the same way as they did at Nice, as Villaplan routinely missed practices and was once again let go by his third cl- uh, club gosh. in a row. So homie's just collecting paychecks at this point. Yes, He's except... Like, I'll show up. I won't drive, and I'll show up. This marks the end of Villaplan's playing career. He's oh, done he's with done. soccer he's after done. this. Yes. So he's, he's like twenty six at this point. He's like he's thirty ish. Oh, thirty ish. I mean, like yeah, he spent like a year at each team. He's like twenty nine, thirty ish. Gotcha. Okay. By the time he's done playing soccer, but it was just the beginning of his criminal career. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast brought to you today by betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack play. It's all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. Or if you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on things like Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Thank you so much to Bet Online for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. And Drew, I think we also have a listener review that we're going to get into from uh, the homeland. The homeland. Let's get we it. have a review from the homeland. The homeland is Bath, New York, which is also the same title of this review from Hunter Lax 3D. Got that right. As someone who just graduated from Bath and had your mom for class, it is interesting to hear that two people who grew up in the Bath soccer culture are doing something like this. Signed, Hunter Noteware. Thank you, Hunter, for, for giving us uh, the time to, to yeah. review and listen to this podcast. A little uh, taste of home. A little taste of home. For those of you who don't know that we're from Bath, New York, which is a very small blip on the map of the continental United States. Getting a getting a review from somebody at home that has a lacrosse reference in their name is so upstate New York. <laughs> oh, it was like you're a, you play soccer and also lacrosse. Lacrosse, lacrosse is massive in upstate New York. Very just, big. Just so you know. Very big. Um, but also shouts to mom for getting us another yeah. listener because that's Let's really – Shouts out to Christina Joy Snavely. Um, what a saint. Our mother and also public school teacher of several decades now um, who is just uh, probably our biggest fan. And um, shouts out to all the moms out there really being the biggest fans of all your kids. Mm. Amen. Because where would we be without you? dead we, we wouldn't exist yeah yeah i don't yeah. even know if dead is the right term just like completely non-existent yeah 
Oh, wow, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's uh, a little existential th- dread to uh, yeah, really seriously. leaven that, uh, that praise a little bit. Oh, man. But thank you so much, Hunter, and thank you to you, listener, who is listening to this podcast right now. If you want to support us, please go ahead, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll read it in the show in this section, and it helps us out a bunch. It helps more people see us. The more people see us, the more opportunities we get, the more stuff we can do with the podcast. So if you haven't yet, we would really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review. And as a show of thanks, we'll also read it out on the podcast no matter well not no matter how gross it is but you know there there's there's bounds to this within reason there are boundaries yeah there there are lines that you could cross there are lines theoretically cross that we could probably cross with you and then there are lines that you could cross that we're like "Mm, nope staying on this side of that line yeah i like crossing lines together sometimes you know and speaking of crossing lines together let's get back and cross the line of this story Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Drew, I said a dumb thing earlier and said, let's cross the line of the story, and I'm just going to let you determine what that means. I'm really proud of myself for stopping the recording before I said that's so stupid, because yeah. I really wanted to say it while the mic was hot. I mean, it would be our brand. It would be our brand. It is our brand. I'm literally we, wearing one of our shirts right now. It says two idiots on it. We own that brand. We do. And it's just kind of how it is. Unashamed. Unashamed. <laughs> so... We left off at the end of a promising professional soccer career and the start of a criminal one in Alexandre Philippon. Okay. The year is 1935, so this is right after his playing career ended. Philippon spent some time in jail. Want to guess why he was in jail? Do you have Uh, any? any? Probably for fixing some bet or something like that. Wow, dude. Good for you. Dude, nice, bro. He was fixing horse races in Paris. And by nice, I mean nice. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Dude, so nice. So nice. (laughs) Yeah, he was was fixing horse races in Paris. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's almost like he had experience previously in his career doing exactly that thing. Yes. And that is, I'm sure he fixed more things, but... He's definitely got caught this time. Well, he got he got caught, and this is where World War II is introduced and the role that he played in that. Um, and compared to fixing matches, right? Like that is like fixing the, those matches in horse races is so minuscule compared to what he did e- oh, in God. World War II. Okay. I just right. want. To state that that is literally the tip of the iceberg, and there's so much underneath that is disturbing. So I just want you to be prepared, listener. Be prepared. Um, We're fast forwarding to 1940. Paris falls to Nazi Germany during World War II. Mm -hmm. The country's in chaos, and as Littlefinger says about chaos, I'm just kidding. Chaos is a ladder. It is a ladder. Ha ha. Yes, but. That's besides the point. Uh But for real, this was an opportunity for the scum of the earth to rise and gain power if they were on the right side at the time. Yes. French criminals soon learned this and became pseudo-allies with Nazis, helping them secure things like gas, food, fine (sighs) art, other services that they need um, so that they can make a buck and survive. 
Um, but really, for the most part, it was just for them to make a buck. Yes. And, and make money and uh-huh. be more powerful and, yeah. and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Henri Lafont was kind of a leader of this criminal operation in France that dealt with Nazi Germany. Yes. Lafont helped track down and torture resistance fighters as well as recruit more criminals to help Nazis. Lafont eventually crossed paths with a gold smuggler who is our guy, Alexandre Villaplante. He was smuggling gold? At that point in time, that was his kind of thing. He was smuggling gold. Okay. And so... Casual. I mean, he was he was deep in the Parison underground scene. Yeah. Um, involved with a lot of those dealings. Right, right, and right. so it was only a matter of time before somebody like Lafont would cross paths with him, with him. Um, Villaplan started as a chauffeur for this group that would eventually become known as the French Gestapo, which oh, is not a name that you want to have. <clears throat> no, generally speaking, that's not something that I would want to be known as. Yes. Villaplan worked his way up the ranks, started to become very, very wealthy because he was good at his very, very terrible job. Uh-huh. The gang as a whole became very rich, which is all they seem to clear care about by hunting down and torturing Jewish people, resistant fighters, and any other enemies of the Nazis in their own SS uniforms. God. They were literally wearing oh, SS uniforms. Yeah, uh-huh. This was a guy who, I want to remind you, was captaining France in the World Cup. Uh-huh. Like, Ten years ago, yeah, as the most popular player in France, mm-hmm. and now turning on his people ugh. and doing these atrocities, it is it's pretty terrible. In 1943, the French resistance became stronger and yeah. more organized. Germany obviously wanted to get rid of this resistance so the french gestapo came up with the idea to form a small army made up of immigrants in france to wipe out the resistance and so this was possible because at the time uh nazi germany was producing arabic propaganda in northern africa to kind of get those countries on germany's side oh okay that's interesting because I was gonna say I'm like, like dudes from North Africa, and the Axis occupied North Africa during World War Two. Yeah. Um. So I was I was curious as to where, I mean, like the the German Italian uh, powers stood on people that are Middle Eastern slash like. Arabic by ethnicity. Yeah. And they were kind of just like, yeah, y'all can fight with us. That was their thing. Yeah. That was basically it. It was, it was a call for, for immigrants in France to be like, this is your chance to, to rise up. This is the propaganda that they were spewing to, to those people. Um, cause you've been like treated poorly and, and all this kind of stuff. It sucks that they're right about that. (laughs) Like, yeah, because they were turning around and, like, <sighs> torturing and killing other yes. people. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. 100%. But I do want to note that there were a ton of 
of um, French immigrants that helped take back Paris from mm-hmm. the Axis powers. Oh, yes. So it was definitely like there are people on both sides. I, I don't right. want to seem right, like right, I'm right. like dragging immigrants yeah, or anything I like got that. You. Yeah. Um, this, this small army became known as the Brigade Nord African or the BNA. Have you heard of that before? No, but I know what it means in French. Yes. So <laughs> yes, the North got, African Brigade. I got those French yeah, words. I that's got those good. on lock. That's good. Alexandre Villaplan became the leader of this group, mm-hmm. which is not great. Um, and he got the title. He was promoted to SS sub lieutenant. It does beg the question. Did they have training, and did he show up to training late? Uh, what? <laughs> I'm just I'm just I feel kidding. like that went right over my head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a callback to like him not taking his the end of his career. Oh, don't worry about hey, it. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. It was funny. I'm sure that a couple people in the in the audience were like, "Oh yeah, that's a callback to blah 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 blah." I get it, but uh, that you didn't, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's cool. Uh, it's, it's, cool. It's, it's, cool. it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. 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 On June 11th, 1944. The BNA captured 11 resistance fighters. Villaplan gave the order to have them all executed, and he was one of the ones who pulled the trigger to see that execution through. So this guy is um, definitely a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a I think that's the least that can be said. Yeah, I think I've called people that for far for far less offense than um, murdering a resistance fighter against the Nazis. Yeah, aligning yourself with Nazi Germany and yeah. then also doing that uh, in in capturing and torturing people. That's pretty much um, as far as far as you can go on the POS scale. Yes, on the scale from like one to Hitler, you're you have reached Hitler. Yes, yes, it is terrible. Villaplan seemed to enjoy torturing people with many depictions of the role he played in the war found in literature. Dear God. As the tides were beginning to shift and the Allied forces were beginning to Uh get a better foothold in France, um, the French resistance getting stronger, Villaplan began to change how he operated and led the BNA. He started letting people... He was tracking down, or supposed to be tracking down, escape and other acts of mercy. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so I, you <clears> didn't. <throat> the listener did not see this. The, the, but the air quotes. The air quotes around mercy because this is all a self-preservation. Yeah, he's hedging his bets. He's like, oh no, I was all along. I was trying to help from the inside. Yes, a witness described Villaplan during one of these acts and reportedly said the following. Oh, in what times we live. Oh, ours is a terrible era. To what extremes am I reduced? Me, a Frenchman compelled to wear a German uniform. Have you seen, my brave people, what terrible atrocities these savages have committed? I cannot be held responsible for them. I am not their master. They are going to kill you, but I will try to save you at the risk of my own life. Mm -hmm. I've already saved many people, 54 to be precise. You will be the 55th if you give me 400,000 francs. What? What? Yeah. So even even in his um, 
in his moment where he wanted to seem like the good guy, he was still swindling people and, and trying to make a buck just so people could save their lives. I mean, this dude is dirt. He is he is he is not worthy of being dirt. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's Screw beneath this guy. that. Uh, yeah. Tell me somebody gets him. Come on. So, I mean, as we all know, uh-huh. So, good news is coming, I guess. <laughs> even if this is absolutely terrible. Villaplan wanted to make it seem like he did things he did to save French people right, from yeah. the Nazis. Uh-huh. And so that was his whole shtick. Because so, yes. he felt like a trial would be coming, and it <laughs> would be. Uh, shocker. You're a war criminal, so it would be. Paris was liberated in August 1944. The leaders of the French Gestapo were put on trial. At Alexandre Villaplan's trial, the prosecutor said they pillaged, raped, robbed, killed, and teamed up with Germans for even worse outrages, the most awful executions. They left fire and ruin in their wake. A witness told us how he saw with his own eyes these mercenaries take jewels from the still twitching and bloodstained bodies of the victims. Villaplan, in the midst of all this, calm and smiling, cheerful, almost invigorated. This dude was a, a sociopath. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, no. Straight up, full stop. Correct. I mean, that is who he was. I make lots of jokes about how certain, uh, like, soccer players, like, I always say, like, Socrates looks like an axe murderer in the face. How doesn't have any emotion behind the eyes and that sort of thing. But um, this is, that that's a joke, and this this is real. That's yeah. A, that's a for realsies. Yeah. Villaplan and the other leaders of the French Gestapo were found guilty and executed on Boxing Day in 1944. Just like a little present. Just, yeah, a little present, I guess. To everybody, to the world. To the world. That, that person doesn't live in it anymore. So that's Alexandre Villaplan from first World Cup captain for France to a vile and treasonous traitor. I mean... Oh. It's a heavy story and terrible you story. Kidding. You weren't kidding that it was like, it when was you said it was terrible. Really terrible. Wow. It's just like I was not expecting the turn to be so sharp. The four hundred thousand francs is what got me. What he was willing to do for money, what he was willing to do um, to to feel secure in himself, the greed is disgusting and Oof. makes me sick. Like it's it's wild because he he knew. He knew the tide was turning, and so he's trying to like pivot. Yeah, he's like, look at, look at what they're making me do. But then, but then, like his whole pitch is still that you have to pay him an exorbitant fee, and the if you if anybody paid that, I, I imagine maybe probably somebody paid it. So if anybody paid that, they would if pay, they could pay it if they could, or say like, oh, like I'll pay you like after the war. Or something like that because the bank is froze or something like that. Yeah. Or like, because I, I imagine that somebody had to have done that and then gotten back like, yeah, like, hey, this dude's a piece of shit. He charged me this much money to for my freedom and yeah. called it mercy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about him being such a recognizable figure. There was no way oh, yeah. that he was going to be. He, he I mean, this, is, this was only 14 years after yes. his World Cup appearance. Uh-huh. The dude was... Uh, thirty-four. I think thirty-four years old. Yeah, only only a couple, only like four or five years removed from actually like playing soccer yeah. for teams. Yes. So, I mean, it is a really disgusting and dark turn. Oof. Um, 
but it is one of those those wild stories that um I don't know it's like important to remember the atrocities that happened during the time because especially when you have like the rise of anti-semitism and like yeah like yeah. very very nationalistic mm-hmm. um fascist trends in our current country state in our <clears throat> in the united states of america yes um this isn't a political podcast but you know no it's not a political podcast. but everything is political outside of the fact that everything is political yes so that's a that's a a callback that's a callback to some og fans yeah it really is Mm -hmm. so um some sources for the story paul doyle from the guardian and samaran mishra from football paradise and a special thank you to dan harner again for the story tip Um, thank you dan and if any of you guys have a story that you want us to to cover look into you can email us deadballpod at gmail.com yes um this is our second episode ever that was completely inspired by listener suggestions um the first one being uh what was the title it was like north korea lord voldemort and Knotts county fc yeah Uh, which is still my favorite title of any uh, podcast episode we did. That was an email from Julian Zeif. And uh, now we got one from Dan. Yeah. So cool. It's always, it's always cool to like be able to interact with people and to get people in the community, like suggesting stories and kind of like incorporate them like that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Drew, thank you for the story. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that I did the people who were lost in World War II justice by telling it. Yeah. And not, I don't want, I didn't want to tell a story to like glorify yes. Philip Plon or anything I like don't, that. No, that, that surely did not come across. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. He came across as a scumbag. Okay. So. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. Cause that's what he is. Yes. Um, and thank you listener for listening to this podcast. And if you want to help us out, you can always do one or all of the following things. One, you can follow us on social media. We're at DeadballPod everywhere. Twitter, where we're most active. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to email us, as Drew said before, we're DeadballPod at gmail.com. Number two, you can leave a rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot. helps game the algorithm a little bit. More people see us, etc., etc. Number three, you can show our sponsors some some love. BetOnline.ag, obviously. This is a hard time for a lot of people without a lack of live sports. Also, it is kind of a difficult time for them especially and a lot of betting sites, but they do still have a bunch of things that you can bet on there. So if you feel inclined, go ahead and go ahead and start a subscription there. And finally, what was the last thing I was going to say? Were you going to talk about giving us a review? Oh, no, I said that. Oh, you did? I said that. Oh. What I was going to say is we do have merch for sale oh, on our Teespring store. Oh, we do. I, I was like, I knew there was another one, and I was like, ah, I lost it. <laughs> our Teespring store, store, which is teespring.com slash dead-ball-brothers-shop, which will be in our description below. We've got T-shirts. We've got a hoodie. We've got a long-sleeve T-shirt with a bunch of different designs. If you want to buy some of those, that also helps us out, helps us out and gives us a little money to put towards the podcast. So those are the ways that you can help us. But I think that's all from us. Yeah, I think that's it. So stay healthy, stay indoors, don't go to large groups of people, uh, don't be a dummy, and I love you very much. My name is Adam Lee Snavely. And I'm Drew. And we'll see you next week. Bye.